HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Sexton Single Malt Irish Whiskey, the best-selling Irish single malt in the U.S. The Sexton is an unexpected modern malt for the everyman. Rich in hue, approachable in taste, and memorable in character. Learn more at thesexton.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the end. Welcome back to The Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Souther Teague. Hey, buddy. How you been? I've been great. You? You look great. I'm going to open a beer. <laughs> I'm going to open a beer. Hey, it's like we've done this before. Indeed. Cheers. Um, hey, man. Um, nice I just you. want to say that uh, it was like a month or so ago, I went to your new bar, Blue Quarter, and I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. It really it's fun. adorable, right? It is. It's really cool. You know what? I was thinking about the uh, the this kind of new-ish, I, I don't even know if it's a, a, a new-ish concept, yet, but the, the idea of like having a bar... That works in tandem with, I mean, for instance, Amore Margo is that. Yeah, we are. It's in tandem with uh, like a whole campus of other, like two other bars. Sure. But like we, I was thinking about like Karasu in, oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's behind Walters. Mm-hmm. And then um, also another place that Frankie Cocktails, Frank Cisneros owns, uh, Bar Uchu, which is like yep. in tandem with a sushi spot. There's like this idea of like, it's kind of like there's always been like hotel bars that, kind of connect to the hotel and they 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 feed off each other you know and they support each other but the idea of having a restaurant and then a bar that are like kind of under the same roof like kind of working with each other it's a really cool idea i mean like you've got your restaurant bars and your bar restaurants but then like having yeah i think here in new york it's uh you know it's or at least at blue quarter and and at amori margo it's just a matter of uh, uh utilizing as much of the space as we can use yeah you know amori margo was the dry storage of the kitchen that is that services Mother of Pearl and Cienfuegos, and we convinced them to move the dry storage down to the very large and spacious basement, and that we could make some revenue in that space. So we basically are like a weird roommate, you know? Yeah. We pay some rent on a on the on the room nobody wanted, basically. A similar situation happened at Blue Quarter. That room that we that we built the bar in was uh, was ostensibly his private dining room, but it looks so radically different than the rest of his place which is bright and airy right the blue quarter the space is thin and the ceiling's a little bit lower and there's no windows so, so nobody liked it as a private dining area so he stopped even trying four years ago and he approached us at a more he came to the, so the guy who owns, blue, uh, who owns local 92 which is the restaurant blue quarter is inside of mm-hmm. his name is shy he came to a more and he he basically came several nights over the course of several weeks 
And then finally he nerved up and leaned over the bar and just said, you guys, you guys really kill it in this little room. Like, yeah, we kill it, little room. And he's like, I have a little room. <laughs> uh, so we walked over and we took a look at it. At that point, he had stopped using it for four years. It was just full of uh, projects, you know, busted tables that needed repair and some boxes. And like, it was just a closet. And you're like, I can make a bar out of this. And I, we were like, oh, yeah, let's do this thing. And very so cool. we built the bar and you saw it. It's really cute, right? Yeah, very uh, cool. The vibe of the space is kind of Moroccan, Mediterranean, you know, some colors and fabrics and textures. And You got my dude, Nemanja, working Nemanja, there. Nemanja, awesome yeah, guy. And then the, the menu is all driven by tea. Every cocktail has a tea component. I know. That's why I, I spun into a panic attack after having a cocktail or two there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's, on the caffeine. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really great concept, and congrats on that. Oh, thank you. It's cool. So everyone should go check out Blue Quarter. Um, what, are we, uh, what are we talking about on the show today, man? I got my buddy Thomas Spath in the room um, who uh, is here because he's kind of, you know, he's kind of a, a, an interesting fellow. I guess. Hey, welcome. Right, welcome welcome to, the to the show. Thank you so um, much. Thomas currently works at uh, Dear Irving, where he's been for about a year, and he also just started his first season at uh, uh, Grand Banks, which is that, uh, that, yeah, that yeah, crazy yeah. seasonal bar that's out on a boat. Yeah, 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 that, that yeah. Nut, nutty. I don't, I don't know that I'd be able to handle that. Lots of Dramamine. <laughs> yeah. Is that just a dram? A dram, a Dramamine. It's an auto, it's a, it just comes right with the drinks. Um, and then you're also here because you do some fun stuff on the side. You've got a, a hobby that's pretty cool and pretty interesting that we're going to talk about. Um, where you, you kind of, you, you're like a midnight salvage ghost. I don't know, what are you? <laughs> you? You run around the city and you find bike parts that are still chained to wherever they were chained up, but the bike's been cannibalized and then the owner just says, fuck it and leaves it. But you liberate those pieces and you go home and you build bikes. That's exactly what I do. I think All right, midnight shows salvage over. ghost is exactly <laughs> what I'd call it. <laughs> Shows over. Great. Wait. So wait. Okay. I, I need to hear this in your words. Sorry, so you're great and everything, but I, you know, yeah, well, I've right. already pre-ordered your book. I don't need to hear any more from you. Thank you. <laughs> ding, ding. ding. <laughs> uh, it started. I started doing this several years ago. I was um, the whole seed was planted one day at a bar. I was with a buddy and, a, and his roommate, and his roommate got well drunk enough to confess something. He's like, "Dude, I've stolen bikes," and I was like, mm, "Dude, that's fucked up." Super fucked Sorry. up. Yeah, okay. you can swear. Okay. Good. I was like, dude, that's fucked up, man. And he's like, well, hold, hold on. It was chained outside my restaurant for six months. I was like, wait, so it didn't move for six months? He's like, no. And I was like, well, that somebody gave up a bike. How did you do it, though? I mean, kryptonite locks are serious. He's like, not if you have an angle grinder. I was like, a what? <laughs> yeah. Yep. He just um, had one in his messenger bag? So, I mean, he, so he rented his from Home Depot in order to get that <laughs> bike and build it up. And, uh, and I was like, wow, that's... Huh, interesting. And the seed was planted and whatever. And then um, my girlfriend at the time had expressed several times that she wanted a bike. And I noticed on my commute to work as I got off the Manhattan Bridge and went down Christie Street, there was this beautiful red Fuji frame that was a a lady bike, like a a lower slanted top bar. Which uh, I've never understood why that isn't for men. (laughs) I think it's for uh, for uh, holdover from dresses. Skirts Skirts and stuff, yeah. Yeah. But I, then, like, then, I like the notion of not getting busted in the nuts, though. <laughs> well, that's because, well, you you have bad luck with bikes. I have a, I'm an aggressive rider. <laughs> uh, but I I went by this thing week in and week out. The wheels were gone. The uh, the handlebars were gone. And I just, yeah, let's, let's 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 make that clear again. You're not grabbing bikes. No, absolutely. You're grabbing not. parts of bikes that have been abandoned. I've had because par- they've I've already had- been. 
stolen, exactly, sort because, of. Because they've either been stolen or been left. Somebody chained up their like, bike and the wheels got grabbed and then they just left the frame because they're like, fuck it, I'm not dealing with this. Or exactly. vice versa. Sometimes the wheel is the only thing that's left there. So Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Uh, like I, I can't really understand what goes through people's heads when they leave a bike, but uh, but it happens all over the city. We all see these bike yeah, harnesses yeah, totally. all the time. Uh, I'm going to recruit you and just let you know there's two bikes that have been chained up on the same signpost right in front of my window at Amori Margo for two years. Come get them. I will definitely take a look at them. I can even remove them and throw them away if they're just an eyesore. Like, they I, are, I yeah. only go for for usable parts, but I'll also, I'd love to help you guys out. <laughs> yeah. Pretty up, pretty up the pace. <laughs> they kind of are nice. They, they, and they both have baskets on them, so people just throw their garbage in the baskets. So oh, there's, fucked up. there's these oh. two bikes right out of front that have to clean the garbage out of their baskets all the time. Oh, that sucks. It does you know suck. What? It, it, they're like old Schwinn's. They look cool, too, is the thing, but yeah. they're sitting there just rusting away. You know, we live in such a, a throwaway culture, yep. also. It's, it's, it's really disheartening, you know? And, um, well, that's cool. I, I, like, I like this idea. I mean... So you my, go, my so you go under cover bike. of darkness with your, oh, we got an angle grinder. So yeah, I, I tried to rent at Home Depot and they just looked at me they're like, we don't rent tools. I was like, what the fuck is he? All right, you know what? I'll buy one. And I did. And, um, and I show, I brought it in my backpack to my shift that day and I finished up and it was like 1230 at night and I rode over to the bike. My heart was racing because I'd never done this before. I'd never even used an angle grinder before. I was way. about to say, did you practice it? I mean, I, I pulled the trigger like in my but apartment. you didn't like grind something. I didn't grind something. I was just like... I, guess this is how it works <laughs> and uh and the traffic on christie street was bumper to bumper and on just the other side of that little park were the lights of two police cars attending to something so i'm just sitting there like what the fuck am i gonna do but i had committed to doing it that night i had the tool i was like i, I can't go back now it's like when you commit to a tattoo even if they're like I had an eight hour wait you're like where's the other shop i gotta go but right. um <laughs> So I just, I turn this thing on, it's loud as hell, and then I touch the lock with it, and sparks are flying everywhere, and I just pull out for a second, I'm like, okay, what am I doing? And like, people in the cars are looking over, like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm just like, you know what, screw it, and and just... You know what, I feel like if you just lock. fucking go at it with confidence, go, yeah, totally. and if somebody says, what are you doing, you say, look, I'm this like, is my fuck. frame, it's been cannibalized. Yes, exactly. So I just, as I like to do, I just hid in plain sight, cut that lock off, uh, threw it over my shoulder, and rode over the bridge, feeling like... The most victorious Robin Hood ever. I had my girlfriend's bike on my shoulder. This reminds me of that scene in Ghostbusters when they're like drilling into the street on like First Avenue and the cops and kind of pull up and they're like, What are you doing? Like, ah, it's cutting really well. It's, it's, <laughs> it's fine. Just gotta, you know, gotta get in there. Yeah. <laughs> Just doing this. My very first bike was in, in New York City, that is, was a salvaged bike from in front of Frankie's. And one of the Franks like cut the the uh, the chain off of it. He was like, "You need a bike," and it was an old, um, like three speed British like rally. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it, it was like it was a complete bike. I mean, I had to change some stuff on it, but it was like my first bike was free, and uh, he was just like, I was so, like, he was like, so just, wait, just that, like treat the bike. That's a little different. Well. That is stealing a bike. <laughs> no, but it had been sitting in front okay. of Frankie's for like four years. It was abandoned. Okay, so I had to go like put new tires Fix and new tires chain and, and gears like and chain that. stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think that's there's something very like. That's a really beautiful thing. It is like a very Robin Hood, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, like, there's something very heroic about saving a bike, you know? Absolutely. And then it, it, does it become obsessive? Have, how many bikes do you, have you done? How many bikes do you have? I've done, I think, 11, and I have complete now just two. Sadly, last year, my, uh, my main bike got, like, hit by a truck while I was working, and it was 
oh. tied to the signpost outside. I came out and I it hate was just that. Like folded in on itself. Oh, man. Yeah. That, was, that was my dad's bike. My mom bought it for him for his 30th birthday. Ah, that man. Was, that was a shot to the heart. Oh, that stinks. But uh, yeah, and I have like three or four other frames in my place waiting to be turned into usable bikes. But yeah, it definitely became an obsession. I got, I got new tools. I learned certain bike tools are made like they're by like Park Tool or something, and they're very expensive. Right. Comparatively so. And then I would go on YouTube, and someone's like, no, man, just get a really big threaded rod and two long washers. It costs you $5, you get the same tool. And I'm like, yes, more of this DIY <laughs> jerry rig stuff. That's amazing, man. Uh, restless bartender roaming around the streets at night, hijacking abandoned bike parts. How long does bit... it take for you to put together? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I do ride bikes, but right. I'm not a technician of any kind. You I'm crash like, bikes. I crash bikes. <laughs> I get, I crashed, I get I crashed on bikes. Yeah. Um, I, I like to ride my bike in two cars. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a war, and I'm trying to win. Uh, <laughs> I'm on your side, man. But I don't know anything about bikes, so, but I do know this. Not every piece fits every bike, so you have to be kind of selective. Do you have like a map in your mind? Oh, of, man, like, I saw this so frame f- over there on, uh, on 10th Street, but I saw this wheel over here on, uh, on 7th. I know that those two will match. Like, how do you, how do you... The, way I, the way I learned to get around that is just amass as many parts as possible. And sure. always keep them on hand, but it is one of the more frustrating New York, things. man. How big is your apartment? <laughs> oh, bro, it's like the size of Roberta's. Uh, what? It, it, dude, I'm not kidding. It's like 10 times the size of Memorial Margo. On just the top floor, and I have two floors. <laughs> I love that my bar is like a, a measuring device. <laughs> totally. uh, you, you started that. By I know. The way. I know. You, you say it every <laughs> I week. It. I do. I love 214 it. 214 square feet. 40. 240. You don't listen. <laughs> I listen, man. Wait. So, what? Well, okay. Okay. Let's talk about that for a second. You live in a two floor gigantic apartment? Yeah, Where? man. On They're called the Taffy Lofts. It's a class in DeKalb in Clinton Hill. All right. And I pay under a G. I'm so fortunate to have that place. And you have uh, 10 roommates? What's going on? Uh, three roommates. Two of them are best friends of mine, and one of them is almost never there. <laughs> that's, that's the best roommate. That's the best roommate. Yeah. <laughs> really I used is. to live with a, when I had roommates, I used to live with a flight attendant. He was, he was gone minimum, oh. minimum two weeks out of the month. I was talking with a flight attendant last night, and I, I was so excited to talk to her <laughs> and pick her brain. About like hospitality on flights, I like I, oh. I got to I got to ask all the questions I've always wanted to ask, and I actually uh, I invited her to come on the show. Oh, red! So uh, I would love to talk hospitality with that because I this dude, was, this was literally twenty years ago that I lived with this guy Steve Paquin, but Steve uh, he would say, and by the way, even way back then there was an article written that I can recall him talking about about how one of the most stressful jobs in the in, in the world at the time was was being a flight attendant because he's like. It's as stressful as being a, a waiter or a bartender, which is a pretty stressful job. Except, as he put it, as he pointed it out really clearly, you can't just ask him to fucking leave. True. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. You can't bounce anybody. You can't open the the hatch and <laughs> get just, out. Well, I think United tried to counter <laughs> yeah. that philosophy. Right, but you can't. You know, once the <laughs> once the once the thing's in motion, everybody's trapped. Um, so I'd, yeah, I'd be fascinated to talk about that. Uh, but yeah, best roommate. He was gone two weeks out of the month working, and then he'd he'd take flights and go places. So yeah, he was never around. Um, that's pretty fucking amazing. Uh, that, now we should probably talk about bartending in general. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> and we should also drink some whiskey. Uh, we got Word. some oh, shit, of uh, the Sexton uh, single malt right. Irish whiskey on the table here. Let's, oh, yeah. Love that cork. Mm. Cheers, guys. Cheers, so, gentlemen. Cilantro. <laughs> cilantro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. Oh, I didn't even... <laughs> Thanks, Dave. I'm back. <laughs> oh man, this is we never delicious. knew you were gone. We got some whiskey in here for you, Dave. I'll um, be right there. This stuff is delicious. You know, it's uh, um, aged in uh, uh, Oloroso sherry butts. That's what's giving it that kind of nutty finish. Oh, there's Dave coming to get oh, his. There's hello. 
Dave, our producer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it gives it like a, a a gem, a fruity gem kind of flavor finish. Sure. Yeah, it's uh, a little bit savory. I like well, it. I, I'm a big I fan. Love. I love sherry. Uh, indeed. Same. But like, I love sherry finished whiskeys maybe more than I love sherry on its own. Like, it's greater oh, than some of its parts. You know, like the um, the. When you think about like classic cocktails, like like the bamboo, that makes sense because it's wine and wine, you know, yeah. like sherry and, and vermouth. But like the the whiskey, like it's kind of interesting. Like when I was I was thinking uh, I was reading um, Jeffrey Morgenthaler's new book, the uh, Drinking, Distilled. Drinking Distilled, and he basically like breaks down uh, the categories of distilled spirits as beer and wine, and huh. like he he threw in like. Like whiskeys, like it either comes from grass or from fruit. Exactly. And so I loved like that analogy that they made. Two. Yeah, it's really cool. And so you've got both of those in this, and it's really cool. Yeah. Um, and it also gives it fun usage. You know what I mean? Like almost 11 years ago, when I was at Rye, we opened Rye, and, the, and one of the first drinks on the menu there, we called it the Havemeyer because we're just off of Havemeyer, but it was a, basically a Manhattan augmented with some sherry, mm-hmm. right? So like th- this sort of whiskey. So that, you invented the sexton? But that, yes, no, no, no. <laughs> but this sort of whiskey in that kind of drink would would be it's, it's less 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 bottles to pick up. Yeah, you know what I mean. But it adds that little savory nutty note, you know, that people can't put their finger on. But it, it adds a, a layer that makes it delicious, you know. But like sherry finished whiskeys have been it's been going on for a long time in in Scotland. Uh huh. Yeah. What, so this is fairly like fairly new for Irish whiskey. Yeah, I think so. Um, and don't forget, you know, you've had the Rieger, right? Rieger whiskey Rieger's here in America. City, yeah. oh, that's, that's sherry that's augmented, awesome. right? It's not just finished in a casket. It has it added to it. Yeah. So I think adding sherry to whiskey or adding those sherry notes to whiskey has been around for a long, long time. Um, yeah, but I, I think this but is... But not, not in Irish not, whiskey. Not in Ireland, yeah. Yeah. So it's a, I think it's pretty cool, especially because of the fact that, like, when you have, like, a triple distilled... Irish whiskey's usually triple distilled, mm-hmm. and... Uh, so it's like a little bit more on the refined, like kind of chilled out vibes, you know? Yes. And then you vibes. throw some chill ass vibes on yes. <laughs> like from like the sherry. It's like, we're just chilling, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, <clears throat> you know, it's a, it's a cocktail in a bottle. Yeah. It's, it's delicious. Uh, all right. Let's talk bartending. Or is it time to take a break, Dave? Uh, we can do that if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, speaking of chill ass vibes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's take Just a quick. Just riding the wave, man. <laughs> let's take a quick break uh, and hear from our sponsors. And then we'll come back with Thomas Spaeth and we'll talk more about bartending over at Dear Irving and bartending on a boat. Uh, Grand Banks is a big old boat that's harbored uh, uh, here in New York City and it's only open seasonally, but it's a crazy ass bar. So we're going to come back and talk about sort of refined bartending at Dear Irving and probably the shit show that is bartending on a boat. <laughs> Your words, not mine. this episode is brought to you by the sexton single malt irish whiskey a new and unexpected modern malt for the everyman and woman and woman yeah Yeah. the whiskey is made from 100 percent irish malted barley triple distilled for smoothness in copper pot stills which i mean 
Are there any other kind of pot stills? Uh, I mean, they're usually copper, right? Yeah, but it's nice to say. I, I, I do. All my bar tools are copper. So yeah, yeah totally. you are the copper guy. And it's aged for four years in Oloroso Sherry Buds. That's we were just talking about that on the the first half of the show. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of unheard of for Irish whiskey. Um, so it's aged for four years in Oloroso Sherry Buds. Allowing maximum impact from the wine while controlling the level of oak flavor before it becomes too overpowering. Right. The result is an approachable Irish single malt, perfectly balanced with a smooth finish that will leave you wanting more. And I want more right now, actually. We're gonna Let's drink some. do it. We're going to drink some right now. Um, this stuff tastes of honey and nuts. It's got a little dark chocolate action. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I am too. And you know what? I... One of my favorite Irish whiskey cocktails is the Tipperary. Mm. I mean, the, Absolutely. Thing, the thing is, like, with this, like, I feel like the sherry and the chartreuse together, mm-hmm. like, it, like with the whiskey and, like, a little bit of vermouth. Of course. That's, I, I, I'm, that's what I want to try. Do we have chartreuse in the studio? No, not yet. We got to talk to Tim Master. Tim Master. <laughs> um, what we do have, though, is a bit of, uh, uh, you know, Campari and vermouth. Maybe we should make a... Oh, yeah. A little Irish Boulevardier action. Yeah, totally. For the second half of the show. We will. It's Negroni Week. It is Negroni Week. What a great tie-in. <laughs> or it was Negroni Week. It was Negroni <laughs> Week. it will be Negroni Week. Studio magic. <laughs> <laughs> Live from the future. <laughs> Cheers, y'all. Cheers, guys. And we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy <laughs> on Heritage Radio Network. Souther. Yeah, buddy. What are we talking about, man? <laughs> We're talking about um, bartending and, and, and on boats, bike building and boats. And, I got to yesterday. And I being was, restless. I was, at the, uh, I was at my bar at Grand Army, and I got to dig into my, my cabinet, the boss's cabinet. The boss's cabinet, and I, I found, love that. I found some, uh, some stuff I had some friends in, you know, like. Uh, Brad Thomas Parsons is writing a new book. BTP, the last, last call, call, right? And so he was asking about like what my like last call drink would be, and I said, "Well, an iced tea because I'm allergic to caffeine these days, and if it's my last drink, it will literally probably kill me." <laughs> and it's my favorite drink of all time. But uh, I was digging around the cabinet last night. Um, Aaron Polsky. Yes, I saw on your Instagram. I saw yeah. him behind your bar shaking something. Uh, I don't. I, I mean, was he shaking that cocktail? Looked or was like he was he rocking, rocking it, it to, to sleep. sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was pulling out a bunch of stuff, and I found a bottle of uh, Laird's rum, like as in Laird's Applejack what? rum, a flask of it that I got on a fishing trip off the coast of Belmar, New Jersey, with Dean Ween of the band Ween, what? the guitar player from Ween. So it was uh, me and a couple buddies. We went out fishing uh, in you know the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, I had a, a flask of Laird's rum, and it's basically it's just vodka. But it was, uh, <laughs> but like it, uh, as we we're like hanging out, like we're fishing for bluefish, like I was like drinking this rum, like I was like, I don't know, like I don't normally get dizzy on a boat, but I think this weird Laird's rum is like probably doing most of the, the, the dizziness. And so I can't imagine, like, actually, like. I, I'm a pretty I'm a professional like drinking on a boat, but like bartending on a boat. Yeah, I mean you're not you're not like catching a bunch. So like for our listeners, Grand Banks is on a like a pretty fucking big like clipper 
like yacht kind of right. thing off the uh, the west side of Manhattan. It's, it's docked there, but you definitely feel like. The movement of the water sure. when you're there. Oh, big time. Especially when the ferries go by or occasionally the cruise ships. We rock hard. Yeah. Like, you can sometimes take we one of those steps. <laughs> we do. We rock hard. Sometimes you take one of those steps that you normally do behind a bar, like you pivot on the ball of your foot to turn yeah. around to get glassware or something, and then you'll find yourself almost falling on the deck. It's almost like a, like an like American Gladiator-like challenge. <laughs> like, like. Yeah, a lot of power stance. A lot yeah. of legs far apart. Making sure that you have yourself Joey firmly on the ground. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it's it's funny when you have a couple drinks in one tin and you're pouring and you're eyeballing between two glasses and they're rocking back and forth. You're like, mm, I hope you guys are friends. Yeah, <laughs> you might have to do a little sharing. Yeah, yeah, close enough. So what, I just whenever I whenever I have drinks that I don't think are evened up enough, I don't sit them side by side. Right, Here are your yeah. drinks, guys. <laughs> as far as <laughs> like you feet. put them right side by side, they notice you, you go over there. Over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here are your drinks, guys. Uh, don't look at each other. <laughs> but but it's a it's probably a fucking blast. It's oh, your it totally first is. season, so you don't have a lot of data to, to speak to. But it's true. Uh, but uh, you, the, the shifts that I've worked have been super fun. I mean, I was telling you before the show, even if it's even if it's a slow night, or even if it's cold, we'll just you know I'll I'll stand over by the heater, or I'll I'll throw my I'll throw like a, a navy sweater on, and then just feel the rocking of that water, and it feels so terrific. And people out there, even like. We have blankets for our guests, but even as they're wrapped in blankets, if it gets cold at night, they're still smiling. Lots they're of like, hand this jobs. This is great. Under those blankets. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a few, I'm sure. <laughs> Dude, but uh, Handy's on the boat. What I want to know, uh, what I would like to hear about is the, is this like your first like seasonal bartending job? No, actually my first bartending job of, of ever was at Yellow Green. Okay. Over Sleeping yeah, One. Yeah, so yeah. I started out doing it outdoors. Yes, in yes. Uh, in quite with quite Manning. a shit show environment. He came on after I left. Okay. I was yeah. uh, I was there when uh, Julie Renee Williams was there. Oh yeah, and, uh, and Jeff was, Pruitt was one of my bar dads, or was, bar mentors. Was Reynolds still there at that time? Uh yes. Yeah. Uh, wild man. No, I'm sorry. Reynolds wasn't. Um, I was thinking of Chef Ricky Ricky King. Oh yeah, yeah. Also wild man. Yeah. So that so that's me, this is like very. Uh, fascinating thing because I've never worked in Neither a have I, seasonal yeah. job. Like, Well, that's not true. I've worked seasonal jobs when I was a very young person in my hometown, which is a seasonal town. Right. Your favorite place. I, I hate that place. But uh, <laughs> Panama City Beach, go to hell. Um, but uh, uh, but never never behind the bar. I worked, I, I literally, worked, I was an amusement park. I worked in an amusement park. <laughs> I, I worked, I worked I ran at rides. A, I worked at a putt-putt slash paddle boat place for one summer in I Oklahoma. I rented jet skis. <laughs> but no, but but it's different sure, because like totally. when, you're, when when you're bartending and and working in like say like like Gallo Green and like the the rooftop at uh, Park South or mm-hmm. like well so, weirdly he worked so, there too. I I was yeah. there for the opening season. Oh yeah. shit! <laughs> so I'm actually pretty used to that whole seasonal vibe and its pitfalls or like, the employees, pits sorry, 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 Eleven Madison Park. Like uh, yeah. Geez. Oh yeah, Summer House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that shit Didn't to me. There. Like it seems like I don't know. It, it's it's very like it's like fucking hit it and quit it right it's like yeah, it's, it's a just cash like, grab you're just like boom 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 it's a cash grab you are you are like again I worked seasonal and I lived in a seasonal town like it is a cash grab you are crushing everything put it this way unrelated to what we're talking about but in my hometown and by the way I left there at age 17 and have never been back so this data is old but it was true 17 years ago I assume it's probably still true my best friend worked at Domino's Pizza he still delivered pizzas in, in the summer Domino's Pizza Wendy's, McDonald's, and there was one. Oh, Pizza Hut were the were the 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 locations in my hometown were the top selling locations for the chains, each respectively, 
and they were all closed four months of the year. Wow. It's incredible. Yeah, that is For incredible. instance, when he worked for Domino's, and they'd get a call, hey, room 101 at the Holiday Inn, we need a pizza. They'd make him 11 pizzas. The pizza for them, and 10 to walk around the pool with. And they'd oh, all sell. Oh, damn. That's wow. genius. The Domino's was only a block from the beach. They had guys who would literally just carry 10 pizzas to the beach all day long. Carry 10 down, sell them, come back. Carry 10 down, come. Like, it's insanity. It is a cash grab. Dude. So seasonal work at a bar in New York City on a rooftop or on a boat, I'm sure, is kind of got to be similar. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a blast. It really uh, part of your ability to maintain sanity throughout it depends on having a, a solid team of people with because sure. it, it inevitably on Gallo Green gets to be like World War Z. You're you're in this box and guests are funneled at you where there are no seats. It's just like it's a line of guests coming at you trying to get in the box, get your attention, and get some get some alcohol. And, you get their card and you're like, cool, out of the way. Your turn. What do you want? It's yeah, like there's no scene. banter. There's Dude, it's no... like that scene in, in Goodfellas. It's like, fuck you, pay me. Fuck you, pay me. Fuck you, pay me. It's, <laughs> right. it's, it's pretty wild. And you're, not, that, you're not getting to know them. You're not like... No. Yeah, that's what I wanted to know about. Like the, the, I mean, I'm sure that it's a little bit different at, uh, at Grand Banks. I feel like... I mean, I, like, I, you, I feel yeah, like there are seats at Grand probably, Banks and people hang out. You can garner like a, 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 like a, a client base. Like yep. a, a, you know, do you have regulars? Or, I... Mean, uh, like, I have regulars from other bars that will come visit or industry sure. friends, but um, sure. I've I've only been on that ship like five or six shifts. So uh, yeah, it just yeah. opened, right? Yeah, right, right for the season. Yeah, and I'm I'm really happy. There's a it's a large hungry team of bartenders. So if I do get a shift that I either don't want to work or can't, I just put it up and it's immediately scooped up. So I can go two or three weeks out working if I don't want to. Sure, because people want to ca- grab grab that cash and. Exactly. Like those are the. I bet some of the people who work there, maybe that's their only job for the yeah, year. Yeah, right? for quite a few people, yeah. or at least their only job for the summer. I'm I'm very lucky to also have Dear Irving three nights a week to sure. to fall back on. Yeah, I feel like it's got to be the difference between like service and a service. I'm giving yeah. you a service. I'm making you a drink. I'm not giving you service though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. on the boat, the standards for hospitality are are. Uh, they're up there, like with Roof at Park South. The, the opening of that, I mean, we trained for, I think, four weeks before opening. They're like, we are going to So you were there the, the opening season of that The one. opening season, So yeah. you are like, John Hendo was there. And yep. Yeah, cool. Will Wyatt. Yeah, right. Great people, man. I, I love that team. Um, and I'm really, happy to, I'm really happy to be on the team with Grand Banks. Uh, Zach Snyder, who oh, yeah, Zach. runs the beverage program. I forgot he's over there. Did a lot of cherry picking for that team. Cool. And got Chelsea as the head bartender, Shalan, uh, myself, my friend Drew, Sarah Reardon, yeah. um, uh, Chris Barry, who ran the musket room for a while, uh, one of his buddies, Sean Saunders, who was down at Slowly Surely with him. Like yeah. a lot of solid people to to work with. Good names in our town, no doubt. That's red. So how? So so you got a great balance. You get to do that a couple nights a week, and then you get to go do sort of a more more refined, more service driven thing at Dear Irving. Talk about Dear Irving a little bit. Dear Irving is an amazing. Gorgeous bar. Uh, I'm really fortunate to be able to call that home. Really, really fortunate with my schedule. I'm there every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so I Oof. I get all the people. Uh, lots of industry friends come in during the week, uh, and weekend is just more toward that cash grab style. Yeah, I mean, we all have that in New York. <laughs> no doubt. But it's, it's funny, when you were giving me uh, notes on the, on the competition outside, and you're like, you know, you wouldn't... Isn't it weird when people... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I, I was a judge in a competition a couple of days ago for... Uh, uh, Yawara Kashasa uh, was one of their heats for their Kashasa Me If You Can competition, which the the next heat uh, is next month, and uh, then the winner goes on to go down and compete in Brazil. Um, and Thomas was one of the ones who's traveling on. So, cool. 
You made the cut. Yeah, I was, I'm very, very happy about that. But you, you were talking to me about my performance. And you're like, you know, isn't it, str- isn't it weird when, uh, when you're sitting in a bar and people are staring at you and not talking? And in my head, I was like, that happens a lot at Dear Irving. Yeah. They, I mean, they love just zooming in on the show. Yeah, of and, course. And we give them the show for sure. Yeah. And the drink to back it up. So, yeah, I, I, that leads me to what I wanted to ask uh, just a couple of seconds ago. When, so when you're at Grand Banks and then you're at Dear Irving, I mean, like, obviously, like you said, like, the kind of being more of a seasonal job where, like, you're, like, just banging out drinks and, like, you, you might not necessarily have, like, a clientele that's very regular when you're at Dear Irving, you have like a lot more, like oh, a lot, a lot more like industry professionals yep. coming in a lot more like regulars. Yeah. Um, I think based on the fact that it's like the boat is seasonal, you can't really like, I know that for instance, like Dear Irving is one of the most beautiful bars in the city. Agreed. I would say. And like, it's really cool the way that the, when we've had like Megan Dorman on the show before, I'm talking about like the architecture and the design, the interior design of the place, and even Tom Rickner. And you know, like the always, we always end up talking about the design the of the place. The space is amazing. You, you, it's you, amazing. you, you travel through, through time. time. Yeah. yeah. You enter it's the room really in like cool. the Deco 60s, and then the further into the space you go, the further back in time you go. Yeah. It's amazing. And like, it's, it's like, and it's so I would done. say, I would say magical. Like, you know, yeah, and, like, it's, it's transportive kind of for sure. Yeah. Because like, like places like that are, Essentially, the places where like you have bar regulars who come in very frequently, and it ends up being like their spot, and it's like the kind of spot where people like might get engaged and might get married. Oh yeah, and, like, I've, have seen, their I've seen that happen several there, times. You know, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, the seasonality of the boat would lend that to be like a good spot to like have a wedding on the boat and oh, like right. a yep. party and everything, but like. It's there's like kind of like I don't know like there's like a the infrequency of uh, availability with the boat is like it might chop up like those like very romantic like steady vibes where it's not it's something like, you can depend on the way Deer right. always there exactly. to be that that you transportive know, you know situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Whereas the boat, you're like, oh, do you think we can get on the boat today? You think the weather's nice? Like, will they? Yeah. Will they be serving late? Like, yeah. Are they booked for a private event? Like, exactly. All the things. Although, truth told, one of my buddies is going to propose to his girlfriend on the boat this summer. But no more info. Spoiler alert! Holy <laughs> cow! Yeah, he just outed his ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just heard about it, and I'm super pumped for him. That's going to yeah. be awesome. See, that's okay. That's the magic of like what we do, yeah. and like, yeah. we where, get, where we, we get, work. The we give do. people enough courage to do the yeah, things they want to do. That anyway. courage, that's you exactly know? what we do. <laughs> I actually just heard, an, I heard from Lacey Hawkins the other day when she was talking to us about Monkey Forty Seven that she was in a bar in Connecticut and watched a couple get married with the rings that go around the corks of the Monkey Forty Seven bottle. Because <laughs> they, like, they had to pull it off then and there, and they didn't have rings yet, and they're like, "Fuck it, grab two bottles, use those. They're beautiful." That's fucking beautiful, man. <laughs> <That is> beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Impromptu bar service, that's, dude. I, that's pretty red. I was doing uh, this is many years before you were on the show, Souther. But uh, I think I've told this story before. Um, I was down at Tales of the Cocktail, and there was a big employees only party, and they they were like, "We're not going to do a guest list." Oh, the EO, yeah, 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 the, yeah. And so, like, I just happened to catch them. Uh, I got two tattoos that day, one of them on my leg, and then. I got an EO tattoo. And the reason why I got it is because I was walking around. And I had the uh, the uh, Zoom recorder from 
Heritage Radio Network, I was doing a lot of uh, interviews. I, I fucked up the settings and I only got about 15 minutes of quality audio and uh, about eight hours of static. <laughs> oh, no, man. But quality I, stories. You got yeah. quality stories. Well, you know what? I live the stories. Exactly. So, that's you know, what I'm saying. Yeah. And, uh, and one of them was this one. Um, I was walking down the street and I ran into Steve Schneider and, and Rob Kruger and a bunch of the, uh, the people from Employees Only. And they're like, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, I don't know. It's Tales of Cocktail. I'm probably doing a lot of shit. And they're like, we're having a big party in this theater. There's like a bunch of performers. We're building this big ass bar. There's gonna be a tattoo artist like doing EO tattoos. Yeah, for it, was free. At, it was at One Eyed Jacks, which is a crazy theater bar down yeah, there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And they were like, you know what? We decided we we're not gonna do a guest list. There's no VIPs or anything. Steve Schneider, Steve Schneider had just been on the show like a couple weeks before that. And they were like, they kind of look at each other and like, you know what? You're going to be our one VIP for this event. You're the one. Bring in guest your list. audio equipment and interview everyone. Like interview people standing in line because it's going to be everyone. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. No one gets in. Coveted, like, coveted yeah. position. Yeah. And so, like, I was like, "Holy shit!" I was like, do I have a badge or anything? They're like, no, because there's no. Do this doesn't badge? exist. What are you, the sheriff? <laughs> <laughs> I got, uh, yeah. Oh, come on, man. Hall monitor. But but the thing is, like, I was interviewing all these people getting. Uh, employees only tattoos and my favorite story and actually led me to get one myself um, it was this couple they were both getting tattooed and they were like I was like so what does this tattoo mean to you and and why are you getting it and they were like they were super cute they were like talking to each other. they were like do you want to tell the story no you tell it no you tell it ah so anyway they started telling the story and like well we met at employees only Right, they were sat. We, ex- you, we you, exchanged info. Yeah, we we had our first date at Employees Only. We got engaged at Employees Only, had our wedding reception at Employees Only, and every year on our anniversary, we go to Employees Only. And I'm like, like after like I wiped the tears out of my eyes, I was like, <laughs> holy shit! Like that's like the power of like, it's the power of what we can offer people. Yeah, totally. We create a space. That becomes I, special and means something to people. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like Dear Irving is definitely one of those spots, you know. I've only had two in the seven years at a at a more. And two, Grand Banks. I've only had two uh, uh, proposals, but I've had two. That's a lot. I've had two in the past like three months at Dear Irving. Yeah, Dear Irving is really beautiful. Dude, I've had two <laughs> weddings, and we've been open for three years. Amazing. You got to get that shit together, man. Well, I guess it's not big enough to have a wedding. Right. It's only 240 Although there is feet. a couple who's, <laughs> who's, uh, who's scratching at the door trying to see if they can rent the space for their wedding reception. At Bar Sardine, we had these two uh, magnificent regulars, Alex and Shannon. And uh, they he came in. He worked at Bar Sardine, too. This guy's been all over the place. Where oh, haven't you worked? P.S. <laughs> let's back up for a second. We didn't really get too into it because we started talking about being the restless bartender that steals bikes at night. Um, so, uh, salvages. 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 Sorry. <laughs> yeah, let's class up the joint. I've had I've had stuff stolen off my bikes. I am I am vigorously anti bike theft. Of course, that as am I. You know, it is. Uh, but I but I also understand that 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 there is a lot of abandonment here in New York City. Yeah, and, it's true. and maybe in some small way, you're helping the city by cleaning some of it up. Um, I like to think so. But yeah, so you've only been bartending proper for three years. Yeah. Did you hear that, Damon? Yeah. Uh, three years. But you've worked at tons of places. Yeah, I've been really lucky. Can uh, you keep a job? What's the problem? <laughs> my, <laughs> my first shift at Gallo Green, I was, I was hired as a waiter. And they're like, um, you're on the top of the roof. You get this section off. It's an open bar. Just 
beer and wine. And and halfway through, they asked for like they started asking for margaritas. So I asked for a manager to send me a set of tools, and uh, and I opened up the well that I was behind anyway. And uh, at the end of my shift, the manager was like, "All right, you're a bartender from here on out. I didn't know you could do that shit." Wow. But I learned it at Eastern Standard, where somebody proposed at the bar. By getting by pre getting us to break one of our martini glasses and put the ring on the glass and then fuse the glass back together, and got the martini served to his uh, his girlfriend then fiance with a martini with a wedding ring on it or an engagement ring. Wait, what? Break the glass? Tough. What? Break about? the stem of a martini glass and uh-huh. then fuse it back together with the wedding ring slipped on. So she had to smash the glass to get the ring to break the snap it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty fun. You see what he's saying? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. see the wheels turning. You're going to be doing this at Grand Army. I'm just thinking about like like breakage costing and shit like that at this point. Like, For these nah, moments. It's worth it. It's priceless. worth it. Exactly. Yeah. Priceless. It's one glass. You bring your own. So what would you say? Like, like I, can, I have a similar story like uh, uh, with uh, getting into bartending. It was the same thing. I came on as a waiter and like a month later I was managing the bar. Um, Damn. What would you say is the the most important thing that you learned from that that quick transition into like becoming a bartender so fast. I mean like for instance there are there are a lot of elements obviously to being a bartender and some of them are really joyous, you know, like the uh, the uh, the moments where you have like someone like people having these like monumental moments in in their lives like getting engaged and getting married and stuff like that. Um, what would you, for a lot of the uh, the younger bartenders out there, what kind of advice would you give them for like fast-tracking into it? Truth told, it, I I don't believe, like I was fortunate with the skills that I had, that I had been taught at other places that that sort of fast-track uh, was easier, was easy enough to accomplish. Mm-hmm. But the the skill, the thing that, that, was transformative for me. I learned at Bar Sardine under with working alongside my buddy Alex, who's been their head bartender forever, and uh, or at least since Wrestler and Goto left. But um, that was that when when you're serving tables, even if you have a large section, the experiences are a lot more compartmentalized. You 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 engage with that table till they have what they need for you to move on to the next. For, leave them with their appetizer or drinks or whatever. And move on to the next table. And you engage one-on-one and, and really make that engagement as valuable or as, as lasting as all parties want it to be. I started bartending doing that, especially when I got to Bar Sardine and it was less World War Z and more, you know, restaurant at the bar. And Alex was constantly, every shift on my ass, dude, I need your periphery to, to widen and I need you to see all people and not just make the one person you're talking to think you're their best friend. You need to either make the whole bar think you're their best friend or do something, but it's got to be more universally spread. And it, it just took like him riding my ass for me to look around more. And now sometimes I see other bartenders. And I'm like, wow, you're really making that one person's night and fucking my night up. <laughs> like, right. Come on, man. Spread the love. I yeah. need you to manage the entire room, the entire bar, and less so just your little section. But what happens when, okay, I had this happening to me last night. There was, and I, I, I always make sure that I introduce guests to the guests next to them. I love yeah. doing yes. that. And that way it, it like saves you. Oh yeah. Big time. A lot of time and a lot of time. Like, like if, you, if essentially like distracting guests from whatever you're doing. Yeah. You know, totally. <laughs> but also you're, you're enriching you're their experience. Host. Totally. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. But like, if I'm like talking to some guests and someone over here in my periphery is like fucking trying to wave me down, 
I've definitely been, and, and I know this isn't the greatest thing in the world, but like, I'm like, that's just rude to like, yeah. be like, ah. I mean, it is. So I've definitely shushed people. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're in you the know? penalty like, box. Hey, calm the fuck down. You're in the penalty box. <laughs> but even acknowledging <laughs> them right there is, is going to give them the satisfaction right. they didn't have when they were waving. Acknowledgement like, goes The last a really thing they want way. is to feel yeah. invisible. Like, that was yeah. one, of the, one of the lasting lessons I got from Gaz Regan was uh, you need to determine why somebody came into your bar because in his words i mean i don't know if it's the last thing but the the first thing they came in for was not the alcohol anybody can drink cheaper at home yeah they came in for something else now people have told me they think it's music or lighting there's the idea of human connection but whatever it is figure it out and and work on that yeah yeah Let's i love make it when people connection. call him gaz regan i they, it i can kind of like time stamp like like Someone's age based on if they call him Gary yeah, or Gaz. I, guess, yeah. I, I call him Gary. Yeah, that same. means I'm an old fuck. <laughs> uh, I was on uh, um, the food scene uh, recently, uh, and it was me, Gaz, and and Naren Young. Uh, it was a good episode. We talked about Negronis. <laughs> when are we going to start calling him Naren Old? <laughs> <laughs> Soon, Naren. <laughs> Couple more awards. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, uh, we're towards the end of the show here so we should wrap it up um it's been great talking to you uh thomas you're at uh dear irving three nights a week thursday friday saturday and you're sporadically at the uh at the grand banks it's true uh, you can be seen all throughout the city late at night with your uh, angle grinder and a, 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 spray, a spray of sparks flying away from your uh bike salvaging uh, uh, uh service that you're doing for the city and for your friends uh, putting, also true put, if putting anybody out together. there wants a bike hit me up so yeah, let's talk about that. How can we, how can we reach you? You got uh, some social media you want to promote? Yeah, I mean my my Instagram is Count Negroni because I was fortunate to be early on that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, dude. Holy shit. No numbers, yeah. no underscore. Just like Count Dracula, but Count Negroni. And uh, that's pretty dope, dude. <laughs> that's really dope. Has Campari like offered you like a thousand Not million yet, dollars, dude? I'm waiting though because I promote <laughs> Campari on the daily. Yeah. On the daily, it is the bottle I reach for more than anything other, except perhaps Sherry. Yeah. And the Sexton. And the, sexton. <laughs> and the sexton, I can't wait to reach gonna, for that all the time. You're gonna be reaching for it. Yeah, it's good <laughs> stuff. Uh, so you're Count Negroni on Instagram. Uh, you got any other social you want to pitch, or is that that's good? I mean, my Facebook, it's my name, Thomas Spath, S P A E T H. Uh, feel free to DM, and I'd love to talk about getting you riding because I am a firm believer in the positive power of cycling. Rad. That's fucking. That's well stated, buddy. All right, so that's gonna wrap us up for this week's Speakeasy. Um, uh, tune into Heritage Radio Network for thousands of other shows just like this one. Go to our uh, website and click on the beating heart. Uh, now we've, you know, Damon, they've got a new uh, feature on the donate button where you can choose the show you want to donate to. You can choose the Speakeasy. You can choose really uh, any show you like mm. and donate directly to to that show. Uh, it all goes to help the, the the network stay on the air, though. You donate um, on behalf of the engineer, Dave. You can donate to Dave <laughs> directly. <laughs> to, goes directly to his uh, uh, TD bank account. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're gonna hang out in the studio for a little bit and drink some more Sexton uh, Irish whiskey. Uh, and then we're going to come back at you next week, uh, so please tune in. And also, I'm follower number 802. Of Ow. Count Negroni. Of Count Negroni. Excellent. Right Thank you, Damon. You got it. Uh, so yeah, next time you're gathered with friends or posted up at your favorite bar, reach for The Sexton, the best-selling Irish single malt in North America. You can still learn more at thesexton.com. Cheers, and, guys. And you can learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. That's right. <laughs> All the dots. All right, that's it for the speakeasy. Cheers, guys. Thanks for coming in, man. Cheers. It's been no, a pleasure. real blast. And we're gonna we're gonna see you on that damn boat. Yeah, man. Yes, let's go please let's go check visit. it out. <laughs> Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in that rhythm and blues.
Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.